0: Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. My name is Ashley Lowe Blassingame, and I am your host. Today we have a very special guest, one that I thought was so special that I married him, Mr. Dak Game, my husband. Yes, he has come on the show, and we did an interview that was very interesting Dak is 16 years sober, so it was really fun to talk to him about his sobriety, how that affects marriage, how that affects obviously our marriage, which is the one we have experience with, parenting, our fears about raising children who are predisposed to alcoholism, and what it's like to have two people who speak the same recovery language be in a relationship long-term. Dak and I have been together for 10 years, and uh, and so we have a lot of experience with each other, a lot of growing up together. And it's been a lot of work and a lot of fun. And I wanted to interview him to get a different side of recovery because Dax's alcoholism and recovery are very different than mine. I think it's really good to see how recovery works in two different people's lives, whose alcoholism expresses itself very differently. But the same process, the same tools, the same program work to keep those people, those two different people, sober long-term. So anyway, you'll hear us even work out miscommunication and thoughts of resentment and different things in the podcast. So it should be uh, an interesting listen. Hope you stick around. This is episode 15, and let's do this. Jack, husband, love of my life, welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast, and our little studio here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Very excited to have you here. And happy birthday. Thank you. How old are you? Uh, Almost 40. Um, well,
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 37 today.
0: Woo. How do you feel?
1: Older. 27 to like 33 were great. <laughs>
0: oh, my God.
1: <laughs> Not just because of our relationship.
0: This has gone downhill real fast. This is taking it serious.
1: No, it is what it is. Getting
0: over it.
1: Just It's all downhill.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel like these are your golden years?
1: I don't think I'm there yet.
0: Well, I heard something recently that said the best time of your life to cherish is when your parents are healthy and alive, and your children are young, that that's a very like special time in people's lives that they don't realize until they're older.
1: I, I think it'd be more special for the, uh, the parents that are still alive, but I'll get down with your thought process. Or <laughs> did you read that? Daily Mail? <laughs> <laughs> What's
0: wrong with the Daily Mail, dog? Everything.
1: All right, let's go. <laughs> tell, tell your audience what we're actually doing after this. What, we're going to dinner? hmm
0: Yes. I do not eat meat or dairy, and um, I don't, I'm vegetarian, and then I'm lactose. I became lactose intolerant after the twins were born, don't ask. And uh, Dak got to choose, because it's his dinner, his birthday, where he wants to go to dinner, and he chose a place called Bourbon Steak.
1: Second highest rating in all of Orange County. Wagyu all over the menu. Why wouldn't we go there?
0: I'm so excited to celebrate
1: your special day. It is my day.
0: Yeah. All right. So I want to talk about sober marriage, sober, you know, what, what it's like to... We've been together since August, went on our first date, August 10th, 2009. hmm So we will co- be coming up on 10 years this August of being...
1: Common law marriage.
0: <laughs> being romantically involved. Mm-hmm. Or unromantically at moments. Well, your fault. (laughs) Do you see, so we've been together 10 years Mm -hmm. and a lot has changed in that time. What do you think the difference between a sober couple being together 10 years and what you see in other relationships where one or both members of the relationship is not sober?
1: You have competitive advantages to being to having a partner that is also sober. I've had multiple friends and even I've dated uh, individuals that haven't been women that haven't been sober and there is next level of communication, a fourth dimension that you can get on with, with your sober partner if you've both kind of been in the trenches uh, both together and, and on your own that you don't really get. You and I both know what it was like or you know, what it is like to be newcomers. We know what it's like to get, you know, five years and feel like we're not punks in uh, a, a program anymore.
0: And how you're, oh God, 16 years? Yeah. What year did you guys? Oh.
1: 2003, February 2003, <laughs> a long time. Yeah. It just all runs together. It all at this runs point. together. Yeah. Okay.
0: So what is, like when you say that fourth dimension, what do you mean?
1: You can sense when I am dry. I can sense when you're dry. We actually know what that even means. We have individually been in the trenches and therefore can empathize when one is going through something that a normal non-alcoholic might not understand. Like what? Oh, my gosh.
0: Like what's a scenario where?
1: Okay, so let's think about us dating for a year and you're not sober and I am sober. You're not an alcoholic and I am an alcoholic.
0: I like this.
1: Or we can reverse it. Uh, no way. If I start to slip on my meetings, if I'm not getting, if I'm not having involved conversations or practicing, you know, the, the 12 steps, you know, not doing step work, not working with other alcoholics or calling other alcoholics, a, um, a person not in recovery, they might not recognize warning signs. Right? Right either one of us gets into a slippery pattern we're going to kick the other in in the
0: and we've had to do that sure you know we've had to do that over the course of the past 10 years and
1: but it has its drawbacks as well you know the the real risk of yeah not only you know we've dated for we dated for quite some time but Mm -hmm. now it's It's merged accounts, it's children, it's it's the next evolution.
0: Well, so let's, so something that we've talked about quite seriously is what happens now that we have kids, what happens if one of us gets loaded? And the conversation that we have, which feels like a really weird thing to say to somebody was that if one of us gets loaded, it is the other's responsibility to protect our children from that person in whatever way shape or form that is and I can tell you as the mother saying that telling you that if I get loaded to protect my children from me is a really really awful feeling saying that out loud but what I know is that I'm not the same woman when I'm loaded and that I love my children so much that if that were to happen I want them to be safe and that I married someone who will keep them safe and and vice versa. And and that's a that's a painful thing to say, you know? It's a painful thing to say. Like, if I do this thing, you know, and it also, I don't know if you felt this way, but maybe this is just my special sickness. It also felt like it closed the door on it for me, too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: because
1: on oh, getting loud in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because it was like, well, <laughs> that can't happen. You know, I was like, I can't get loaded. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no option there. And I think for a long time, you know, we we live like... I really did live one day at a time or one, you know, one moment at a time or one year at a time, whatever, wherever I was feeling in my sobriety. And having to say, like, if I get loaded, I am risking contact with my sons. Mm-hmm. Having to say that out loud and, like, have that dialogue with you brought me to a place of, like, I can never let that happen.
1: And yet still... We have this devil on our shoulders. Yeah, yeah,
0: and you know, I know there there have been times that you have had to reach out to other people to say, like, I'm worried about Ashley. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing signs. I'm seeing things that really concern me. And and um, and I did the same. You know, for you, I don't. Was it last year? Mm -hmm. Last year when nothing was. And this was this. This is actually the thing about. Recovery and both of us being sober that I think is, now that I think about it, is very different. I came to you and discussed what I was concerned about with your recovery in a moment of no turmoil.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: And nothing was actually happening. And there were no... Im- current consequences. And I remember, yeah, and I remember you looking at me like every, (laughs) everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Ashley, I'm living the, you know, I love my children. I love my wife. I love my life. Like, what are you so worried Mm -hmm. about? And I was like, you know, I'm worried that you're going to get loaded. And you looked at me like I had three heads. But that actually is a testament to the difference between two people who, who know what something looks like. I knew you were detached. I knew you were not, like, you were detached from community, you were detached from program, you were detached. And I knew that if something went wrong, which it ended up going wrong, mm-hmm. what was it, like two weeks later? A month later. A month later, when the crap hit the fan, you would hard. W- what was beautiful about that was that I, you know, I will say, I will pat myself on the back, I was very persistent. And I didn't drop it because I because you said some things that really scared me. And by the time things did go downhill really fast that month later, you were you were plugged in. And it wasn't hard for you to get replugged in because you had all those skills and you hadn't drifted so far that it mm-hmm. wasn't possible. But what a difference it has made in our relationship in the past year of you being plugged in. And I just think back to like what that is the beauty of both of us being in recovery and you've done this. I mean, you have actually called my sponsor and said to her, like, yeah, Ashley's not well. You need help.
1: Yeah, mine has been definitely reactive and I feel like you took a moment of proactivity and you probably stepped over, you know, the line. I, you know. I
0: definitely, yeah. But I was really afraid because I have a lot riding on your sobriety.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, vice versa.
0: Yeah. Like, I have a, Your sobriety is is a, I don't, I can't even put the amount of importance it is. I, I depend on you. My children depend, like, I don't want to be in that situation. So I sort of had this feeling of, because I, I guess, because we in recovery, like when you have a spouse in recovery, you're supposed to stay in your own program. Like you're not supposed to step into the other person's program. That's very Al-Anon stuff. And I just felt that this was so vital to my life that i had to do something that that not that i was willing to risk being codependent
1: <laughs> yeah and i think a lot of times uh the the position that i was in i you know driving 4 hours a day and yeah. pursuing something that you know had the potential to be life altering not only for myself but for my family what i was giving up in that Span of time. Will
0: you you talk about that? Because I don't think people know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. So um, I had left owning my own businesses and. and
0: In what year? In
1: 2015, 2016. Yeah. So right around that, things were starting to close. The doors were closing. I didn't have the the capital to really take it to the next level.
0: And that was, and months later, that was. Yeah, that was 2016 when when we got pregnant. When I got pregnant.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's so, a point, an important timeline. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So so things were ramping down. I was looking for what was next. I had picked up uh, a little, you know, four or five month consulting gig that had the potential to bring in revenue um, that looked attractive, and that fell through. As you remember, <laughs> on the day that we found out we were having twins, I was. Oh God! I don't even know if I, it, I wouldn't consider it being fired or was just like we the just, money is stopping. You, they, so we
0: we found out on the day that we found out we were having twins, which I know it's like supposed to be a happy day, but it was probably one of the most terrifying days of my life. You found out that, however you want to say it, that your dro- you you were no longer employed.
1: Correct. I, <laughs> yeah, I was, fi- I was fired. <laughs> I had very little revenue coming in from oh my, uh, my previous business. Oh my I God. sat in a parking lot and argue with someone on the phone <laughs> because I felt like I had gotten bait and switched. And then I was fired. Let's just call it what it was. Then we walk into the medical office and then you sit on the table and then the doctor says there's baby A. Okay, great. Let's stop there. And then there's, there's baby, baby B, B. And, we there's, and we felt like we were getting trolled by the doctor. Yeah, for whatever yeah, we were reason. like,
0: "Ha, ha, that's funny."
1: And never in, a, never in a billion years did I walk in there thinking it was going to be anything other than, "Here's your a, here's your one baby."
0: Yeah, like and we were like, "Ooh, let's hope." Like we were going for like hoping for a heartbeat. Everything's good, yeah. you know.
1: But so that I lose, so I lose that job. <laughs> we find out that God, we're I was pregnant with stress. twins. And then I pick up... July
0: a, 18th of that year is when you started...
1: So I picked up a sober companioning oh, gig. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And it turned out to that... That, in, that individual was plugged into the entertainment industry, an industry that I dabbled in in the mid-2000s yeah. in front of the camera terribly and always wanted to get back there, never had <clears throat> never had the in, and all of a sudden it felt like, you know, the universe was putting something at our feet... at the perfect time. And we had the conversation. You were all about it for a little while. and
0: uh, Oh, I wanted to support you.
1: Yeah. And so I, I got into that business uh, in television production. and
0: You were driving. So we live in South Orange County. Oh, yeah. County. Sorry.
1: I, f- I forgot how we got there. So we live in South Orange County. That that company was based in uh, Santa Monica and in Burbank. So, you know, you're pregnant. I start making that drive. We have the twins. I take very little time off when they're born. So
0: it's two I'm, hours two each hours way. Two
1: hours each way on a bad day, you know, three hours round trip on a good day. But a lot of time in the car, no time for morning meetings, no time for evening meetings. I felt like I was plugged in to, you know, that that 12th step or y- y- the carrying the message or talking to other alcoholics, but I was incredibly disconnected from AA in general. I was just, I was, it was an afterthought at, you know, all of my time on the week was dedicated to this thing that I'm pursuing. And then on the weekends, you've been at home all week with, or doing, you know, wh- whatever the situation was with was working. Yeah, working and dealing with, two infants and, yeah. and, a you know, an absentee father for the first, you know, two years of their lives. And, and so when I would get home on the weekends, I, I would almost feel bad to go do – I didn't do anything. Like, think about it. I didn't go – I didn't no, – no any- I did nothing.
0: No, you didn't do anything. Well, and because you were gone before the twins woke up mm-hmm. and then you were – you were gone in the, during the week before the twins woke up and then you came when they came back when they went were asleep.
1: And I would do – so I would, well, I would do, but I would do evening feedings with uh, before where we learned that the, the trick. Of, oh
0: yeah, at eleven hiding
1: the bottle. Yeah, so I yeah. would do those. Yeah, then, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it was it was gnarly. It was really intense, and then that ended. That was the thing where I when I pushed you to get. You
1: so the know, month prior to that, you know, unbeknownst to both of us, that it was ending. coming to yeah. a very swift end. There's no <laughs> runway. There's no golden parachute. It's just that. It's over, yeah. So it ends, but a month before is when you kind of codependently step in and say, "This is whatever's happening here is not." Well, you said the magic
0: words. You said the magic words. Uh (laughs) You said, "I don't think." You said, "Um, "I don't think I need AA anymore."
1: I don't think I said that. I think you're you're misrepresenting what actually.
0: And then you said,
1: "I said if
0: if I were to drink again, I think it would be okay."
1: I don't, and I don't think I said that either. I said, I don't think it would be what it was. So I was 20 when I got sober. Well, of sober. course it wouldn't
0: be what it was.
1: But I think that was, I don't think that I was actually as close to a drink as you might have thought that I was. I don't was. think you were
0: close to a drink. I thought you were in relapse, which is a long process. And it was a long, potentially a long process for you and that you didn't have the support system to manage some sort of... Large painful event, which uh, that was true. And yeah. when that happened, you had that support.
1: Yeah. And it would have actually been interesting to see how it would have played out had no action been taken, because I still don't think that I would have gotten loaded it, after everything that transpired. Actually,
0: after that, I think it would have taken a while for sure. I think it would have taken a couple years.
1: I think I, I would have just been in, I don't think I would have been in the headspace to, to like, in the Positive mindset to get what I what I actually got, which is which is actually really life changing for our family. What, but what, with what I am doing, like for, your work yeah, now. Yeah, yeah.
0: But you also came to the realization that you had been absent, mm-hmm. and that you really wanted to participate in your children's lives.
1: Yeah, and that was.
0: And you had the tools to deal with me losing my mind every week.
1: <sighs> yeah, that that was a shitty like first two or three months. Well, it was it was bad because we could never get on the same page because you you have these emotional like, oh, let's talk it out. We're in a great space. And then two days later, it would go back. to I was
0: trying really, really, really hard. I have a lot of financial insecurity and I was trying really, really hard to get to this place of like this is meant to be. This is why this is happening. Trying to like utilize the tools of recovery and be in the moment and be supportive And then a couple days would go by and I would lose the grasp on the positivity and it would just absolutely tank to the bottom. And my go to is like, we're going to be homeless.
1: Well, I don't think you ever actually got to a place of of peace ever.
0: (laughs) I think I did when you got the job.
1: Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, still, there was, you know, a month before that started. But um,
0: yeah, I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time with that. Like instability stuff. It brings up a lot of scary stuff for me. And that
1: which has nothing to do with me. No. I mean, well,
0: you could help. <laughs> you, cer- you certainly have made you certainly have given me the opportunity to work on my issues. I'll give you that.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> I'm just trying to heal you.
0: I know. I really appreciate that. You're uh-huh. really coming through on that. So we before we had kids, you had some real concerns. I mean, and we both did, but mine my, my concerns weren't uh, show stoppers. You had some real concerns about having children, especially given that we both have this fatal progressive chronic illness, Mm -hmm. mental illness, and that it's highly genetic. Mm -hmm. What has gone through your mind or what went through your mind at the time when we were discussing having children and you were really afraid of giving them alcoholism and what's changed?
1: Not much has changed. uh, You know, they don't have to be alcoholics. Totally. They don't have to no, be. No, no, no. And but there you, is a sh- you, we have a fighting chance that that's not absolutely. based on environment. But
0: when we were talking about having kids, yeah, but that, came, that was a huge concern. That was something you were particularly very concerned about as it factored into whether or not to procreate.
1: Well, I think I was in a – so we broke up and then got back together in the summer of what?
0: 2011.
1: I felt like part of me was, no, I don't want to have, no, I don't want to have kids. I, I was over it at that point.
0: <laughs> you did a complete 180, though, because you really wanted to have kids. And then we broke up and you were over it. Yeah, I think. I scarred
1: you. Well, it, it wasn't just that. It was th- some of that for sure. But also, I just kind of succumbed to the fact that maybe it wasn't going to happen for me and I was like 20s <laughs> whatever the age was you were
0: 27 wise. yeah
1: yeah it whatever like that <laughs> that's just where the where i, I was at I that know. point i just wanted to be you find a partner whether yeah. it was going to be you or it was going to be someone else and just live our lives normally and not have to worry about what yeah. comes with children the the worry you
0: actually wanted a farm of dogs
1: yeah absolutely yeah. still do but so then <laughs> the So, the fear for me was age, it was me being selfish with my time. it was alcoholism for sure it was you know more broadly like do I want to bring children into this world like, it's just
0: how did you grapple with the alcoholism piece
1: mm, i don't think i i don't think i have okay i i, I don't think i'm in a position to i don't know. I'm not clinically trained. I don't know what the warning signs look like early. It scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Do you ever – so sometimes the kids do things or they have meltdowns or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like Jackson will have these big emotions and I'm like, oh, God, he's sensitive. He's going to be an alcoholic or Davis will repeatedly watch something and I'm like, oh, it's it's obsessive compulsive behavior. Like – do you ever see things, see the boys doing things, and think, you know, oh, this is a precursor?
1: I, I'm not going to act like I know what the precursors are,
0: or things that worry you. I mean, you don't have the language, maybe, but
1: no, not yet. I don't think that, like, I I can only pin it against my experience growing up and like my memories. I don't know where where my alcohol alcoholism took over. Yeah, but. I was pretty happy-go-lucky up until, like, 12-ish. And then when I found alcohol, it wasn't out of some crazy childhood trauma or what was going on in my household. Like, I had a really great upbringing, and, and I'm in love with my parents. Like, they did the best possible job they could have given the circumstances, and they did an incredible job until something just shifted in my brain and I'm just like, I love the taste of beer or I love smoking cigarettes or I absolutely love smoking weed. I want to continue this. I wasn't drinking for, for pain or, or, you know, any external factors. So I don't think I'm in a position to, to judge yet what my children may or may not have. I just have to like hope and pray that they don't have to go through life dealing with the same like strife that we did or dealing with the yeah. same challenges that are are now on our shoulders for the rest of our lives.
0: How do you feel about, you know, I've done this podcast and my story is now, I mean, I think I've always been really open with my story, but now mm-hmm. it's like legitimately out there. How does it feel to be the partner of that? And do you ever worry about like your kids hearing this, hearing what mommy did, and, you know, is it difficult to have people know the intimate details of your wife's struggles at that level?
1: I mean, it's not the life I would have chosen for you. <laughs> um, am I a f- fan of your openness? It's very different from Me, I'm I'm very shut in emotionally and I don't (laughs) (laughs) try to reveal too much. I think where we are going to struggle in the future is you coming from a place of too much too soon and me coming from like my mom's attitude of hug and and like shy away from, you know, I don't want them to know what your story is for quite some time. I have wish you didn't put that out there. I mean, it is what it is at this point. <laughs> you've, you've already done it. So now it's just Ooh, trying so to so it give sounds in. like
0: you don't want it out. It sounds like you don't like that people know.
1: I don't... I think it would be selfish of me to limit you from doing that in which you are very good at. You have, as many people have told you and as we've talked about, you have a very unique ability to pull stuff out of people Just based on your story and experience and the fact that you don't have casual conversations, everything is very, very deep. So (laughs) I don't...
0: Your favorite thing about me.
1: So I'm not going to limit that, but... But it's uncomfortable. It's not uncomfortable for me, but it's not the life that I want for my children at an early age.
0: Right. So you have concerns about when they find out about what's happened.
1: Yeah. and I mean, it's not even that. I mean... Kids learn about stuff at such... Totally. ...young yeah, ages like, now. Yeah. Are, I think... I mean, look, things are the worst. There are, there are shootings uh, that are uh, perpetrated by third and fourth graders. Right. So this is so, not... Yeah. My, so this is not what I was... Mommy doing
0: drugs is, you know, the least of their... They're just... They're going to be grossed out and not want to hear about it.
1: No, but there are still things that I will want to keep from them for as long as humanly possible.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. What I love about our relationship, though, is that over the course of the last decade now, we have done a lot of different things and learned how to have a lot of different open conversations and including going to therapy, which couples therapy, which was really in one time, one therapist situation in particular was really life-changing for us and changed the way we communicate with each other. And so I know that as we come upon things in our, you know, parenting journey and in our marital journey, that we know how to ask for help. And we know how to, that like, I what's so cool for me is that I know that if I come to you and I say, I really want to go to couples therapy, let's, you know, let's call our therapist. And, you know, we haven't gone in years or we we went last time we went was right before the twins were born. Right. Mm. Yeah. So what I know is and what I see that I feel very blessed to have is that I come to you know, I know that if I come to you and I say, I want to call Tessa, let's go like we need to go to therapy. We need to talk this through and we need a mediator or someone to help us understand. You'll go. I don't need to fight you on it. You know that you have experienced the value of that. It wasn't always that way. I mean, I definitely had to drag you. But I think we had such a remarkable experience, understanding that we weren't hearing each other accurately and how to hear each other accurately and how to say, hey, I'm not hearing what you're saying. Can we start over? Or, hey, this is what I think I heard you just say. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then, okay, I can have a reaction. But at least I know what I'm, you know, at least we know where each other is coming from. And I feel like that has changed the game for us. It has allowed us to really work through things and come to even civil disagreements on things. And as we go forward, I, I, I'm sure that we will employ that tool of having a third person help us figure out what to do.
1: Yeah, I have no problem with, uh, with therapy.
0: But do you remember, I mean, one thing that I understand from a lot of men is that they feel like when, when their wife, girlfriend takes them to therapy, that it's going to be a gang-up session.
1: Yeah, it was quite the opposite for us, actually. <laughs> it was therapy for me. Uh, but that's what you saw, right? Well, I was, yeah, I was dragged kicking and screaming, but also... Actually, I wasn't. If you think about it, I didn't like that I had to go. I was resentful that I had to go. But the flip side is that we were at a position when we first originally went Where we were either going to stay together or break up. Was going to be based on. You were willing
0: to go, but you were pissed about it.
1: I was pissed about it, but what came out of that is, and what we know now, is that it taught us a new language, Mm -hmm. or it taught us how to understand each other. And I think for for you, you learned how to actually get through to me, Mm -hmm. and for me, it taught me how to grow more of a spine and and really. Push back when I didn't like what was going on. Like, really develop key communication skills. So, that was that. Ex- walking out of that, number one.
0: And you felt supported by her, right?
1: I felt supported. I, I wasn't ganged up on. I felt like, in a lot of instances, you were ganged up on. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> It, that was perfect. It was <laughs> like, you got to see. No, I did. And I I, I got well, to.
0: Well, one of the coolest moments I remember, I don't know what your coolest moments were for you, but one of the coolest moments for me was you, she said, Ashley, say something that you think is going to be inflammatory to Dak, like a topic or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember exactly what I said and I said it. And she said, Dak, what is something that he will experience as inflammatory, but you don't think is inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And I said what I said. And then you. she said, Doc, what did you hear Ashley say? Mm-hmm. And you said something that was entirely different. And I, for the first time, had a witness. <laughs> and she goes, oh, Doc, honey, that's not what she said. And, and I was like, oh, thank you, baby Jesus. Someone is here to say because you were having these reactions to me and I was so confused because I was saying what I thought was, you know, clear, straightforward, just like a logistical thing. Mm-hmm. And your reaction was if I had just, you know, kicked your dog. And it, that so, – So I just
1: process things differently.
0: Right. But it, you also it, you heard it differently. Yep. Like my tone caused you to hear something different. And it was – a lot of it had to do with my tone of voice caused you to hear me as berating and, and you know, things that – I didn't intend. And so we learned how to have language with intention Sure. of like, okay, this is what I mean and I'm trying to get this across. So I think that was one of the coolest moments for me at least.
1: Mm. I don't remember too many cool, cool moments other than <laughs> it saved our relationship. So yeah. I guess that's...
0: That's cool. That helped. So one of the issues that we had in therapy, this is actually a really funny, funny story, was that it was how many children. So once we got over, oh, the, yeah. once we got over the hump of...
1: Well, oh, but let's... Just remember that we went to therapy and saw her, number one, to save our relationship, and then things were great. Right, so we got- And we got married. Yeah, got engaged. Yeah, got
0: engaged and got married.
1: Got married, and and things were fine, but we chose to do a little tune-up. And went and saw her again. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
0: and so our disagreement or our, our our regular conversation was about how many children to have. Mm-hmm. And I wanted three and you were, you know, you were interested in one or two.
1: I was interested in zero, Ooh. actually. Zero. I, the zero is my number. I, I still at that point was because if you, th- you thought her.
0: I don't think I even heard that. The the what we agreed was one at a time. And mm-hmm. I remember part of it, I remember calling S- my best friend Serena after and after therapy because we, we came in different cars. So I got, <laughs> I, and so I left in a different car and I called Serena and I was like, I just agreed. I just lied in therapy. And she's like, why? And I, I was like, I agreed to one at a time, but like I'm not accepting any fewer than minimum two children, three. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she was like, well, what do you mean you lied? I was like, I agreed, but I don't. But I have no intention of keeping that.
1: You know. I hope if we have more children that you get pregnant with triplets. Just, no.
0: Uh, listen, listen. I'd be careful what you hope for. <laughs> uh, so I, I remember. I, I, don't, I, I don't know
1: why I put that up. Yeah, don't universe. don't
0: put that out there. So I remember telling her I agreed to one at a time, mm-hmm. and we told the priest who married us same thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: one at a time, and then of course we got two. We got twins. So that was pretty funny.
1: But what an incredible two that we got.
0: Yeah, they're pretty cool. They're
1: amazing. Hi, I'm Peter Loeb, CEO and co-founder of Lion Rock Recovery. We're proud to sponsor The Courage to Change, and I hope you find that it's an inspiration. I was inspired to start Lion Rock after my sister lost her own struggle with drugs and alcohol back in 2010. Because we provide care online by live video, Lion Rock clients can get help from the privacy of home. We offer flexible schedules that fit our clients' busy lives. And of course, we're licensed and accredited, and we accept most private health insurance. You can find out more about us at lionrockrecovery.com or call us for a free consultation, no commitment, at 800-258-6550. Thank you.
0: Okay, so what is it? So tell me a little bit about why you ended up getting sober, because our our sobriety, rather our journeys in sobriety and our journeys before sobriety are vastly different. Mm -hmm. We share the fact commonality that we have the same disease, but they express our diseases express themselves very differently. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: My alcoholism was I'm a drinker through and through. Uh, I had a problem with, you know, it wasn't an opioid crisis back then, but it was a benzo crisis is what I saw because you could get Xanax or Valium or Librium or Klonopin for next to nothing, a buck a pill or two bucks a pill. Once I found the pills, it took me so much deeper down the rabbit hole and so much more quickly because now I didn't have to go buy a bottle of Jack and drink the entire bottle To get the desired effect, I could go buy a six-pack of Bud Light and take a Xanax and insta-forget. insta But it got so dark so quickly, or at least what I thought was dark, and I wasn't really chasing anything. I just loved the effect produced by alcohol. I loved the effect produced by alcohol coupled with pills. And I wasn't an all-day drinker, but I would smoke weed all day until I could get... drink in me. So weed regulated me until I could, you know, drink. And, um, and I got into, um, an altercation that could have been, you know, life changing. I got assaulted, you know, pretty bad and they put a hole in my head and my, you could see my brain through my skull and it was, uh, well,
0: and it was an accident. It was, a mis-
1: it was a miscommunication Yeah. or a mistaken, well, a mistaken identity. Yeah. They, um, they I, you were somebody else. yeah, I got, I got involved with some guys that were mixing it up and, and, uh, left my cell phone at the scene and I called it when I got back to my apartment and they thought I was the guy that they were mixing it up with and. As soon as I came back to the to the scene just to innocently pick up my cell phone, they, you know, they put a brick through my window into my skull and just, you know, did me pretty dirty for, uh, you know, and the cops wouldn't perceive It was just it was awful. But that was like a moment of, OK, wait a second. I can't. I love drinking, but also this is the result of my drinking. And that's one story in a sea. Yeah. Of, yeah. A billion war stories that i could tell you where i you know almost lost my life came as close to yeah. like serious serious you know injury or death and
0: much of it involved vehicles
1: mm-hmm. i love to drink and drive and and you know texas it, it, you could still get away with the cops pulling you over and if you're not all the way intoxicated they would take your keys or make someone else in the car drive and and uh it wasn't what it is, yeah. you know, now and, and um so I got away with everything. I mean, I got away with everything. And someone should have, you know, swiftly kicked me in the in the butt at a lot earlier of an age, but it just didn't happen. And and uh luckily I had, you know, a family that didn't really we have alcoholism all through my family on, on both sides in different forms. And um, you know, luckily I had I had parents that weren't super educated on the topic. They knew what over drinking was and they never gave up. They never gave up on, on me. And I mean, God bless them for, you know, we come in and we make amends and we expect to get all these relationships back. And that's not the story for everyone. And the, while I did make amends subsequently, they never gave up on me and, and God bless them for, for that. And, and, uh, so I just, you know, decided that, that didn't work and it, it was probably time to, to do something else. And so I just stopped and that was it. Went to rehab, started going to meetings and here we are 16 years later.
0: Do you think that the that you have gained a lot more than a person who say didn't get sober or doesn't have a problem through your journey? Like, do you think that is?
1: I think um, people that are sober or people that have gone through an Al-Anon program, for instance, they have tools for life. And right. I think we can all agree that doing some form of 12-step work, whether you're, you have the disease or you don't have the disease, can be beneficial. Or therapy or... Sure, absolutely. And let's say that my drinking wasn't as bad when I got sober, right? I, I binge drank, but maybe I was, maybe I wasn't an alcoholic. I can't think of a scenario where my life would be better today right, if I was still... Right. Drinking. I mean, God, what does a drink cost like 12, 15 bucks at the bar these days? I have no idea. I can't afford (laughs) afford 10 (laughs) of those. No, you (laughs)
0: can't. Who drinks at the bar?
1: I mean. It's a waste of money. It looks nice though.
0: It does look nice. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I feel like parenting, I mean, even yesterday when the kids didn't sleep, they didn't take their nap. Mm -hmm. And like, those are the days where sometimes I just you know, that mommy wine culture and and maybe for you, it's like the, you know, small glass of scotch or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. Like, I feel like I'm missing a parental tool. We are. (laughs) We
1: absolutely are. Like
0: at the end of the day, I mean, what did we climb in bed yesterday? Like 745? We're like, oh, it's been such a long day. We're Mm -hmm. just like, we zone out in other ways, obviously. But man, there are days where I feel like I wish there was an easy... Way for us to check out, or for me to check out. I
1: should. I absolutely agree. I mean, for me, I don't even think it would be drinking so much as it would be weed. I mean, mm. weed is so very much legal in California, and
0: that's interesting.
1: It and it looks <laughs> it looks so good. You know, <laughs> I mean, I love. Oh does man, it? I love. Well, it does. It does now that apparently you can buy weed that uh, tunes you like. If you want to go to sleep, here's a weed for that. If you want to be awakened There's awake and st- a weed for that. If, if you want now to be awakened There's a weed for that. Like <laughs> they have everything now. It's they <laughs> they have these strains like scientifically done whatever. So no, oh, but like that would the be The marketing campaign has worked hard oh, on they've you. Gotten me. Oh, they've man. Gotten me. Well, there's no marketing campaign. i haven't bought into like CBD, but but like that's that's what it would be is me. That's the parental tool that I feel like it's not missing from our lives, but it would make things eh, a little bit easier.
0: If we did it normally. If we did it <laughs> normally,
1: yeah. The 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 two foot bong and yeah. you know, going through an eighth. Yeah. That is not acceptable. I
0: mean and I and and you use drugs, right, like alcohol and marijuana that are like mildly socially acceptable. Like mm-hmm. if I'm doing a little shot here, you know, heroin at night like that, you know, not I, there's, socially acceptable. there's like just <laughs> no world in which no. I could. Uh, there's no marketing campaign for that. I'll tell you that much right now. There's no like mommy's little. I mean, can you imagine mommy wine culture, mommy, <laughs> mommy junkie
1: culture? Well, by the way, that is a serious middle America problem. Totally. Is the, you're right, actually. Is the mommy opioid Yeah,
0: culture. You're totally right. You're totally now to the same. So apparently
1: not. it is acceptable. Go yeah. for it. Have some yeah. fun. I'm just
0: living in the wrong spot. You
1: are. Go yeah. to Kansas. You'll enjoy yeah.
0: It. Yeah. I I don't understand. I don't know if you think about this, but I, I think of like our parent, like what we do with the twins. I, they would die if we were loaded. They would, or they would sneak out into the backyard and I mean we have to like keep a serious eye on them and if we were not paying close like if we were, you know, fuzzy, mm-hmm. I could just they can open the front door.
1: Well you're yeah, I mean your fuzzy is different from my fuzzy, <laughs> but uh, I I don't when I, I say mean well fuzzy. It was, if you really think about like the mommy or the daddy wine culture, quote unquote, I mean these are the same parents that leave a kid's party where drinking is okay, and they get in the car and they drive those children home. Yeah. And I am That's true. I'm not okay with that. That might be acceptable. Maybe I'm a prude at this stage of my parenting career, but that's a no-no for me. Like that's an absolute and, and yet when I was drinking, you could not pry the keys out of my hand. So I can't imagine that if I started drinking again yeah, socially, yeah. That
0: see, that's the thing is mm-hmm. like we were talking about this, which is I get loaded and it's real bad. It's it's real ugly really fast. Mm-hmm. And and there's no like, you know, lipstick on a pig situation with that. Mm-mm. And but you like to drink and drive. The mm-hmm. thing about me getting loaded, <laughs> I'm just like out, you know, like the, the bigger concerns are around, you know money spent and me passing out places and mm-hmm. you know whatever but you're you know
1: i i not only like to drink and drive because of the control but i like to drink and drive fast
0: yeah that terrifies me mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not out in the world. like when i'm loaded i'm not out doing things oh
1: i'm that's the exact opposite right. i'm the guy that is trying to find the next best thing right. chasing whatever right. is right.
0: It like mm-hmm. it's like meth for you. Like you're just out there. So I'm
1: going from like one kid's T-ball game to another kid's <laughs> T-ball game as fast as humanly possible. Yeah, I mean,
0: could be could <laughs> be useful when we get into T-ball. I'm going to remember that. Yeah, I, did, I, I just drop out of the game. So mm-hmm. I guess it's it's different. Does that ever, you know, has that ever come up in our relationship where our different types of alcoholism have concerned you or been an issue?
1: Only in... Like what it would look like if either one of us relapsed. With kids. With kids or without kids. Yeah. I mean, that's not the world that we live in. We live in the world with kids now. But um,
0: but like you thought about it beforehand.
1: Yeah. And you're, yeah, you have to. I mean, I'm putting all my chips in on you and you're doing the same with me. And if if I got loaded, I feel like I would try with every ounce of my being to hold it together. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think if you got loaded, I mean, you wouldn't be able to hold it together from jump one. Like it would you would immediately go down into if you started banging H again. I mean, that <laughs> that's not a.
0: Yeah, but I don't see it. What scares me about that is I don't actually think that that's where that would start. I mean, I wouldn't even I mean, not that I couldn't find it quickly, but I think it would be an attempt I think it would be my disease telling me I no longer have a disease. I think it would be my, me attempting to join mommy wine culture before it would let be like.
1: Just, let me just tell you, you would not fit in with mommy <laughs> wine culture. Can you so
0: imagine? You Everyone's worry. like talking about the weather, <laughs> the latest bra they bought. And I'm like, so tell me your deepest, darkest secrets.
1: While I drink this handle of Jack Daniels. Like, oh, oh, you, this is just wine? <laughs> oh, let me go to the store real quick and get yeah, that handle. so
0: true. Mm-hmm. I'd be like. How many gl- bottles of wine is too many? <laughs> 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 oh, I brought my own bottles.
1: And <laughs> a, a cup that fits an entire bottle. Yeah,
0: I love that they have this wine glass that's an enti- it fits I've an entire it, yeah. bottle, and I was mm-hmm. like, that's amazing.
1: It's just saving you time, really, because you don't have to pour. You've got it all in one cup. Totally,
0: I and feel then like you move it. Move all-
1: into your next bottle. I
0: also just- feel like it saves appearances, but maybe that's adds my
1: alcoholism too, because like... You look like an asshole. I mean, it's a pretty big cup, (laughs) let's be honest. (laughs) See, in
0: my my head, it really reduces stigma.
1: It does not. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It really is like, takes it down. Hmm. What's the coolest thing that's happened, um, that's happening in your life these days?
1: I feel like we're we're in a pretty good spot. I think uh, we went through, you know, a couple of years of challenges of trying to scrape by while (laughs) i was chasing something and then you know previous we were in a different challenging stage and so i think we're at a point at least in this moment where we can breathe a little bit and uh i'm just super amped on being a dad right now i love it even you know days like yesterday to go through a challenging day with two kids that are in pissed off moods that don't sleep don't want to listen don't want to listen and hit each
0: other with play hammers
1: beat the crap out of each other and you're trying Try not to shit to, on the floor you're trying not to react but then you do react <laughs> but then it's even on those days even on those bad days i know that it's a 12 hour stretch <laughs> if it's on the weekend and if we can make it through that the next days is start anew. I yeah. mean, their personalities are, are they're, they're not holding on to the baggage of, of yesterday. So I know that we'll get incredible moments and you know, the, the tough ones are, are worth it. They're, they're absolutely worth it. And it, I think it's just toughening, toughening me up for when things really get interesting because things are going to get really interesting.
0: What would you tell a guy who was in the same position that you were in, not wanting kids and you know, feeling like that, um, you know, at that zero kids stage, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give that person?
1: Explore the why. Find out where it's really coming from. I can say the same thing that any other normal parent would say, which is the day your kids are born, your life changes so dramatically in such a positive way. But just like telling a newcomer or someone that's not sober yet hey, just try this thing. I know it's going to be tough, but it's the best thing that's ever going to happen to you. That is how I feel about children. It's it's put me in such a, I mean, you see it. I, I You know, I'm not blowing smoke. Like, no, I, I no, absolutely you, you are. I love being are, a father. Yeah, There's, much
0: more than I thought you would.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I
0: thought you would love it, but I, I, I didn't.
1: I didn't think I would want, you know, the, yesterday was Father's Day, and, you know, f- for your Mother's Day, you chose to kind of... Oh. Step away for a moment. Oh, all right. Well, no, but you had family in town and and you wanted to just— No, I do.
0: I want time to myself. It's true. You're right. And Weird things when mommy's around.
1: But I I want to spend, (laughs) whether it's me making up for for time that I missed in, you know, the first couple of years or— You
0: always want to be with them.
1: I always want to be with them. I
0: mean, you've had plenty of times where you could golf or do other things and you, between the two of us, you absolutely take fewer— take advantage of fewer opportunities to be away from
1: them. Mm-hmm. That's on purpose.
0: Yeah. No, it definitely is. So at 16 years and how old, I'm 13, 13 years of sobriety, um, obviously our recovery looks a bit different than it did when we got together. Can you talk a bit about what, like your commitment to your family, like what you do to stay sober now as a commitment to your family?
1: Yeah, my, my sobriety definitely looks different. You know now than it did when we got together. That when it did when I first started. You know, I meet with my sponsor uh, once a week on Sundays. At oh, what time? Well, I get up at five forty one <laughs> in the morning. I'm out the door on Seven to eight minutes. Yeah. I order my Starbucks and then I meet with him at six fifteen before our seven a.m. meeting.
0: Right, and so and then I go to the Saturday meeting. So we mm-hmm. switch days. Yep and then how many times a week do you speak with him?
1: Yeah, so it all depends. I mean, I try to to touch base weekly uh, if things are funky, maybe more. But, you know, I've always been an individual that tries to reach out to my network, my sober network, my one, you know, sponsee that now is, you know, one of my greatest friends and was in my wedding. Um, We talk on a very regular basis. I work with other alcoholics. I just try to stay as connected given my current situation and lifestyle.
0: And how do you know when you're dry? And can you explain to us what dry is?
1: So there's no one definition for it. It, You know, dry can be, you know, not going to as many meetings or just being disconnected from the group or kind of Doing your own version of the 12 steps uh, in the 12 and 12. I just read there's there's something called two stepping, which is just the first step and the 12th step. And you're mm-hmm. putting those two together and eliminating, you know, the uh, the higher power element or the working on character defects element or the, you know, it, when you, when a wrong comes up, it, it, you know, admitting when you're at fault, um,
0: mm.
1: which uh, I don't do. So being dry is, for me, it's just being detached and on the downward slope of, you know, something bad potentially happening.
0: What are some of the character defects you're working on?
1: I don't have any.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you need me to come to your sponsor meetings?
1: No, you've already done that. (laughs) Um, I'm not currently working on any specific character defects. I'm trying to be as present as possible in our relationship. I'm trying to be as present as possible in my kid's relationship. If at fault, you know, immediately correct. That's, that's something that you really have to take to corporate America, especially. And there's another useful tool that, you know, a lot of people don't have that we have. If something crops up and I feel a little weird about a conversation or about an interaction, I don't want that to sit and stew because stuff like that will just fester in my brain and I won't be able to accomplish whatever it is that I'm setting my sights on for that, you know, for that day. So can I give you a specific defect? No, but yeah, I'm constantly trying to...
0: Oh, maybe not being present or being detached, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- those aren't specific defects. I mean, I'm always working. If everything der- is derived from the seven deadly sins, then what? I'm, th- that is where character defects are derived from.
0: You're getting biblical.
1: I mean, you go going... and throw down some JC knowledge Whoa. out here. Oh, Christ, my Lord!
0: Oh, oh my God!
1: <laughs> I, I think if everything is derived from those sins, then I, yeah, I'm working on greed. I'm working on uh, gluttony and trying to find better food solutions. Uh, envy, because I'm constantly envious. I mean, I'm I'm working on it all. It, I just don't have a set regimen on mm. how I do it. Do
0: you think, uh, let me know if you... Uh,
1: I don't need your help. You have your own problems that you need to work on.
0: <laughs> oh, no. let me know if you need help. How do you manage to support... What do you, How do you feel that you support my sobriety? I, or that we support each other's sobriety?
1: I don't think I support your sobriety as well as I probably could. I think... Um, you know, you're going to a different program right now, and I try to be as encouraging as possible. But also, you know what to do. And if you're in enough pain, I don't want you to get loaded. And there have been moments in our you know, relationship where I've stepped in. But also, if you're in enough pain, you're going to do something about it or you're going to go get loaded. And you're smart enough to <laughs> not go a, get loaded. such
0: a dude response.
1: No, 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 not at all. I mean, I, it's, for me, it's the same thing. Yeah, but I only like, get super busy and active when
0: when you're in enough pain. When
1: I'm in enough pain, yeah. And I've been through crazy moments in my sobriety. Like it, when I made it to year five, I should not have stayed sober. The real estate industry, the, the America collapsed, and, you and were I was in, involved in that industry, and I should have gone down the tube with the every other. Industry, yeah. yeah, and and it, I went flat broke. I went from riding so, so high to like freaking out if I made a hundred bucks. Just I was at the bottom of the barrel and I had less responsibilities at the time. But still, it, it was awful to go through what, you know, my girlfriend at the time and I went through. And when I made it to five years, I stayed as active as possible when I was going through the worst possible time at that point in my life. And when I made it to five years, I, I literally broke down at a meet, at a meeting my parents were at for some random reason, but I broke down, not in like a, you know, a tear or two coming down, but like blabbering, blubbering, blabbering, blubbering, blabbering. just in shock and feeling thank, this, this omnipotent being just stepped in at my weakest moment and gave me grace. And humbled me beyond belief, and then, and somehow, I was still able to stay sober. And I shouldn't have. I absolutely shouldn't have. Because
0: why shouldn't you have?
1: Because I'm an alcoholic, and with every ounce of anxiety and fear and frustration and anger that I was going through, it was the perfect time to escape. Right, it was the perfect excuse, and I did not.
0: And what do you think? What do you think? You think? Your connection to the program, your, the work you did in treatment, what do you, all of it combined, what do you think was?
1: When I came, when I moved to California and I got sober, I didn't understand much. I was 20. I was, a, you know, I had the mental capacity of a 12-year-old.
0: Yeah, neither Re- one of us have had a legal drink.
1: And I didn't know much in early sobriety. I didn't understand the steps. I didn't understand God or of my own understanding. But the first step made absolute sense to me. It is if the seas parted and that is the only thing that I understood is that I am powerless over drugs, I am powerless over alcohol, and that my life is unmanageable when I drink or when I use. Therefore, I cannot drink and I cannot use. Now, over the years, I've substituted, you know, my addictions with women, with spending too much money on stuff that i didn't need like i've tried to fill the voids yeah. many times over but i've still never picked up a drink and when those other ways have caused me pain i've known what to do like i just know what to do and one of i don't know which sponsor i had that told me this but he's like okay we admit that we're powerless, that our lives are unmanageable. We come to believe that a power greater than ourselves is going to restore us to sanity. And once we make that decision to turn our will and our lives over, those first three steps, that's it. You're bought in. And if you're not bought in at that point, there's no point in going through 4 through 12. There's, I don't agree with that. Uh, oh, great. I've got more time than you, so I must be, <laughs> I must be more sober than you. I absolutely believe believe in that. But also our, our alcoholism and our sobriety and your desperation versus my desperation are drastically different.
0: Totally. Totally. Because for me at two years sober, that was when I admitted to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic. Great. So I had already gone through the steps, which had helped me stay sober in those two, two years. And I knew that I was powerless. And I, I knew that, you know,
1: you I don't knew. really think it was God. You don't think it was grace that kept you sober?
0: I think it was a combination of things.
1: Do you think your your actions in those first two years were appropriate of an individual that was maybe going to stay sober or not stay sober?
0: In some ways, yes. I mean, I don't think there's a prescribed way to act in sobriety. I think we all, you know, at different points in time, like it's really about whether or not you pick up is so people act really badly in sobriety and really well in sobriety and it's on a continuum. So I don't, th- I, I don't think that that I'm just, t- my experience was that going through the steps, even though I wasn't a hundred percent bought in, bought me time to get to where I needed to be to achieve longer term sobriety. That's my experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no wrong or right way. Yeah. I just, I personally believe that once you take that, that step, when you go from three to four, then that's it. Like you're, you're just, you're in, you know, yeah. you just don't pick up a drink at that point.
0: Yeah. That's totally not. And, but you know, what's cool is like, it's up to each interpretation and it's worked for you just as well as it's worked for me. And I don't see it that way. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Which is the cool thing is like, we don't have to see, we are in the same program. We met in this program Mm -hmm. and we don't have to see the program the same way. We can completely disagree on how to approach it, but the way that we've each approached it has changed our lives and has helped us to stay sober a long time. So, like, it doesn't actually matter.
1: Yeah, I think neither one of us has tried to outsmart the program. Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't even know what that means. It, it, you can't game this system, I guess is my point. Yeah. You, I was told when I got when I came to, to AA see what the winners are doing and mimic what they're doing.
0: If you want what the winners have, do what the winners do.
1: And then guess what? They weren't going in and out and in and out or getting one year and then going back out or getting two years and going back out. They had just bought in and succumbed to the fact that they are alcoholics to their innermost self and therefore that th- they cannot drink. So they have to figure out an alternative solution. And those are the steps on the wall.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. And I think that <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that ha, works well for certain types of experiences. You know, one of the differences between our journeys has been that the craving stopped for you. Like, you know, the term struck sober, right? Like, I don't know if you're struck sober. I don't really totally know what that means. But you, like, the desire to drink went away for you, and it didn't for me. I battled it for a lot, a lot of years. The
1: obsession. The
0: obsession, rather. Thank you. The obsession went away for you, and the obsession did not go away for me for a very long time.
1: Well, there have been moments.
0: That's not obsession.
1: Totally. But there have been moments in my sobriety where Heineken did a brand new commercial. They restructured their bottle. Jay-Z was in their commercial. And man, oh, man, did that look like the most enjoyable beer
0: how long did you think about it
1: i mean i'm still thinking about it and that was an ad campaign from a decade ago or less i mean i don't know six eight years ago they changed laws in the country and now uh national campaigns can run for for liquor and for most of my youth and and formative years that i never saw jack daniels commercials or it's funny
0: i didn't even know that i didn't
1: notice that and now what's her name from that 70s show is doing yeah. Jim Beam commercials. Yeah. And pff, man oh man, does she make Jim Beam look good again? <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, but that's not me obsessing, that's just right. me saying, damn it. Like I I wish that in this in an alternate universe. I could I could participate, I could participate yeah. like everybody else. But yeah. guess what? Not everybody else is holding it together. Yeah. Whether they admit they're an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, or not. yeah,
0: that's 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 for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The obsession took a really long time for me and I battled with it for a long time. I don't think it's, I wouldn't call it an obsession anymore, but it's shifted to other things. And, you know, as you mentioned, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I struggle with other things and have to work on that. And those things become very loud. And my alcoholism takes the shape of many things and uh, yeah the disease just shifts it just yeah it just changes into something new and so i have to be vigilant and be willing i think that's the hardest thing is to be willing and i think with the with the cuz i've been going to oa overeaters anonymous and i think with the food stuff just like food you know a weird relationship with food and the sugar stuff like that's my first i think like i've come to see that that was my first addiction mm-hmm. And that's been a very, very painful thing for me to come to and, and work on and uncover in a marriage, because I've been very ashamed of that, and that's been really difficult. And you've been uh, really supportive and really honest, and um, and I've given you space to do that, and um, and I think that's been a strength of our marriage, which is that we have like some really brutal conversations about things, about things we see and things Mm -hmm. that are going on and really honest and tough to hear on both ends. Mm -hmm. Um, I've said some really tough things for you to hear and you've, you've said some really tough things for me to hear, but because we have that basis, I think that we've been able to like, I, I hope you know and I think you know that I'm coming from a place of love and wanting to spend my whole life with you and, and, I assume that that's where you're coming from, that we can have, like, there is that trusted space. And I've never, I don't think there are very few people on the planet that I've ever been that vulnerable with. And the thing is about me is that it sounds like I'm very vulnerable because I'm talking about something. Mm-hmm. And so people experience me as very vulnerable because I just told you that I was going to Overeaters Anonymous, right? So like, that's in I mean, it is, but like, that seems like a very vulnerable thing. But the moments that you and i have seen each other and you know to you know in our darkest moments those are the real vulnerability that you know we've had the tools to walk each other through and and be support and watch as the addiction changes form
1: yeah you drew the the short straw when it comes to picking a disease that you still have to eat three times a day. and Oh, man. I mean, the, also know, like com- the
0: unsexiest com- program
1: name totally. ever. I have my compassion for I was just listening to a an interview with a, with a gentleman that was going through a similar situation. He's in no way as well and just something I don't have to deal with. And yet I can have so much compassion for it because it's the one thing that you still have to do every single day if you want to survive. You have to eat. Right? I don't have to drink alcohol or smoke a joint to to make it through the day, but I do have to get sustenance in my in my body, so I do feel i feel for that yeah, I think there's uh I think we're past the point of walking on eggshells with each other. I think that was the greatest gift not only of sobriety but of therapy is that I don't really care about your feelings and you don't <laughs> care about my feelings, right like when we have something that we have to say because it's going to affect our lives on a daily basis we just have to have the conversation good bad I mean whatever we just have to have the conversation and hopefully we can come from a place of love while we're doing it but I think
0: it's more that actually I care so deeply for you and vice versa that I'm willing to hurt your feelings I think that's actually it's not that I don't care about your feelings
1: I I honestly just feel like we have we've developed our own language. We know how to communicate with each other and if something's on our mind, we just don't let stuff fester anymore. Yeah. That's the healthiest thing that could have ever happened to to you and I.
0: Yeah, we don't get in comp- we don't whatever we're fighting about is exactly what we're fighting about. It's not like built up resentments from before. It's Well,
1: let's 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 not go that far.
0: No? Rishon, you don't you think have, so?
1: I think you still have some some built up stuff that you carry. You That's think okay. so? Uh-huh. Like what? Well, I think you're, I was on a good run when we first started dating financially and then are on a decent run. Let's not act like I was balling out of control, but then I took some risks and you still hold on to some of that, some of the, the financial insecurity stuff that rightfully so I have to climb out of uh, a certain hole because I drastically changed the outcome of, of where our lives were going for like five or six years, I mean, I four or five years.
0: Yeah, I so I don't like that that happened. Like, I've that made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable, but I don't, I'm actually not resentful about it. So it's, it doesn't take up physical space in my being. When you remind me of it, I look upon that time as very uncomfortable and I wish it had been, you know, I, I wanted things to be different. But I also it also forced me to deal with things. It forced me it put me in a position where I was willing to apply to to grad school because I, for whatever reason my response to you losing your job was to take out student loans. <laughs> <laughs> See, you helped me take mm-hmm. out student loans. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> it was
1: all me. Yeah, it was <laughs> all
0: you. Yeah. So I think you, I think I can not be pleased with some of the decisions or some of the way things have affected our lives without actually holding resentment, like without being continuously upset about something because I'm not continuously upset about those decisions. They were very uncomfortable and some of the effects of them are very annoying. But I don't, my interactions with you, very rarely do I think about those things.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- we're singing a different song than what was being sung in Q4 of last year. But um,
0: Well, yeah, I was resentful in Q4. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I was really – I was all – it was funny though. I, like I said, I was, I was resentful one day and then the next day I was like, okay, there's a bigger plan. I <laughs> would come to some sort of peace and then the next – the day after that, not so much. So,
1: Yeah, and, and rightfully so. I mean –
0: you scared the shit out of me. Well, um, I love you I and love you. uh thank you for coming on the podcast and airing our dirty laundry to people so they know that other people go through whatever it is that they're going through.
1: Yeah, I guess if um if I could part with any message no, to anyone part, that's
0: part away.
1: Married, just get divorced <laughs> as fast as possible. <laughs> This thing is not what I bought into. (laughs) Oh,
0: it's everything you bought into.
1: No, I'm happy that you're having success with this. And and, um, I love you.
0: The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast, would like to thank our sponsor, Lion Rock Recovery, for their support. Lion Rock Recovery provides online substance abuse counseling where you can get help from the privacy of your own home. For more information, visit www.lionrockrecovery.com backslash podcast. Subscribe and join our podcast community to hear amazing stories of courage and transformation. We are so grateful to our listeners and hope that you will engage with us. Please email us comments, questions, anything you want to share with us, how this podcast has affected you. Our email address is podcast at lionrockrecovery.com. We want to hear from you.